I believe that we're living in a time where we are encouraged to accept the lifestyle that each person has chosen to live. We live in a time when people would adamantly declare they're not guilty of sin. They're only responding to the natural byproducts of who they were created to be. We live in a time where everybody wants the green light to act according to their will and to their way. We live in an anything goes, so go with the flow, tell your bro so they will know society. Can you tell I was at the beach last week? It was just fun to write. We want what we want so bad that we'll do just about anything and listen to just about anybody to get it. And while this describes our society, I think we can look back and see that there is more to it than just 2016. I think this is the description of mankind from the beginning. So we look back at the first couple, Adam and Eve. We can see in Genesis 3 that there was a problem even in paradise. In this text, we see that God had already laid out boundaries to Adam. We find these boundaries in Genesis chapter 2, verses 16 and 17, when it says, And the Lord God commanded the man, You are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat from it, you will certainly die. Man, Adam and Eve, all mankind, had already set its sights on what they wanted. And they were just looking for justification to act it out. When God said, don't eat from the tree in the middle of the garden, Adam and Eve immediately began to wonder why not. What could be so good about it that we're commanded not to eat it? And man found out that he was quick to exchange the truth for the lie. It's important to realize that the basis of all lies are found in the heart of the lion king. We can see it in the lives of Adam and Eve. It's easy to get misled in the madness, to be duped in the drama, to hold on to the hype, to listen to the Lion King. Man created in the perfect, sinless image of God. He was created as perfect spiritual, physical, intellectual, and a moral being. But he was not created as God's equal because only God is omniscient, omnipotent, omnipresent, and unchanging. But man was created in the image of God. Man is a reasoning being with the ability to understand and the responsibility to mature in his God-likeness through his daily relationship with God. God wanted this relationship to be founded in mutual love. God formed man so that man was inclined to love God, but not forced to love God. Man was inclined to listen to God, but not forced to obey God. God expected then and still expects now for us to obey him. It's a part of our relationship. The love of God for man and God's intimate relationship with man made man the target from another of God's creations. The title for today's message, the title belonging to this creation that wanted to take down man is the Lion King. The Bible doesn't tell us a lot about Satan before the fall of man. If we look back to Isaiah, we'll see five I wills. Uh, that tell about Satan's aspirations. The first is, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit on the mount of the congregation in the uttermost parts to the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. These statements have to do with an attitude of pride and an attitude of selfishness. With these five I wills, Satan is leading a revolt in heaven. He brings violence to heaven. He is judged and he is kicked out cast down, never to return. 
as a part of an angelic being. He decided in his heart that his plan would be better than God's plan. So he wanted to be God. The problem is Satan is not awesome. At kids camp, we sing our God is an awesome God because God is omniscient. God is omnipotent. God is omnipresent. He's an awesome God and God is unchanging. Therefore, God cast Lucifer down. When? I don't know. There are some theologians who would argue that it was after the creation of man. I think many think it was before the creation of man. I don't know, but I do believe because it's in God's word that he was kicked out of heaven. And when Satan said, I will, God said, you won't. And I think we see the birth of the Lion King. So for you outline people, point number one, the serpent. Genesis 3, 1 says, the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. It says here that God made the serpent. Was it snake-like or dragon-like? I don't know. But I think Satan disguises himself as the serpent, and because of that, it says in Genesis that the serpent was the craftiest beast of the field. It's a direct parallel to Satan, who is the craftiest creature in creation. Notice Eve doesn't panic when the serpent approaches her. Put an itty-bitty spider in my house, and my wife and daughter stand on the tub with my shotgun, scream and kill it. But there is no notion in Genesis 3 that Eve was freaked out by the serpent. So on this day at this time, the serpent seems very harmless. It's a lie. Satan is the lion king. He's the father of lies. And we see it here. We see it born right here in the Garden of Eden. The serpent will eventually show himself to be an enemy of God. And he has a passion to destroy the people of God, the human race. If you're taking notes, here's some other scripture to look at because the Bible attests that this serpent is Satan. In John 8, 44, 2 Corinthians 11, 3 and 4, Romans 16, 20, Revelations 12, 9, and Revelation 22. Satan has been caricatured by writers and artists and actors and comedians to the point most people don't even believe he exists. It happened to me. It goes back to Flip Wilson and the devil made me do it. He's making sure I'm talking to the right people. There was also a time when I found out the devil was going down to Georgia looking for a soul to steal. He was in a bind because it, it was there too. Then there was deviled ham, deviled food cake, and we actually own red devil tools. And then I found out later that the devil wears Prada. So our society wants us to know that he's there, but we don't want to believe in who he really is. So some believers may believe that he exists, but we don't take him seriously. Although we don't understand much about his origin, you can know this, Satan is real. Satan is an enemy and Satan is dangerous. In Genesis 3, Satan is compared to a serpent. And we see that again in 2 Corinthians. In Revelation, he's called a dragon. In Revelation 22, he's called both a serpent and a dragon. But Satan's not only a serpent who lies, he's compared to a roaring lion who devours in 1 Peter 5.8. Among his names are Abaddon, Apollyon, which means destroyer, Satan, which means adversary, adversary, and devil, which means slander. In John 8, 44, Jesus called Satan a murderer and the father of lies. Jesus could have helped me here by calling him the Lion King, but he went with something better. I was just hoping you'd think I was clever. Jesus called Satan the evil one. Jesus called him the prince of the world. Paul and John called the devil the evil one. And Paul said that Satan was the God of this age. 
the ruler of this world system, the leader of the demonic forces of evil. Satan is the great deceiver. He will eventually deceive the whole world into believing his lies because he's the Lion King. Boom, great title. Well, maybe you'll tell me that later. Satan subverts the way and the will of God. He's deceptive. He's cunningly powerful. And God's people must be careful not to get a foothold. I'm a former climber. I'm old and fat, so I'm not a present climber. But my girls grew up climbing. Patty drove home one day and they were climbing up the chimney. She didn't much care for that. But when we moved back here from Tennessee, we were at a Mexican restaurant and we were had run into some friends from an earlier church and we're talking to them having you know adult time and we look up and we can't find Megan we're looking around and then I heard I'm up here she had climbed the rock wall and I'm about to chew her out but she said but dad did you see the footholds in climbing footholds are very important but I want to tell you in life if Satan can get a foothold if he can get you to step in his direction he's going to try to grab you he's going to try to hold on and he's going to try to destroy you. If we're honest today, we've all fallen for at least one of his many lies. Let's look at the strategy that he used against Eve. If you're an outline person, this is point number two. It's got four subpoints. Exodus 3, it says, um, well, remember I mentioned Genesis 2, 16 and 17. Before we look at Genesis 3, let me read it for you again. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from it, you will certainly die. We can see here that God gave boundaries to Adam. Adam told Eve about the boundaries. We see Satan going to Eve, challenging her understanding of what Adam told her that God had told him. And it says, and he, meaning Satan, said to the woman as Eve, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? So here we see the Lion King in action. He's tempting Eve. In essence, he's saying to, the, to Eve, I can give you something that you need and something that you want. You can have it now. You can enjoy it now. And best of all, there are no painful consequences. What an opportunity. She fell for it. And so do we. So the subpoints first, we see Satan disguised himself. Satan didn't want to be seen for what he really is. Because we wouldn't be able to stand him if we saw him for what he really is. He's a clever intim uh, intimidator, not intimidator, imitator who disguises his true character. We use the word hypocrite to describe a follower who's not following Christ. The word hypocrite is used about 25 times in the New Testament. Over half those times it's used by Jesus. It means a pretender, one who is disguised or an actor portraying a character. We could, here in this passage, say that Satan is a hypocrite because he's playing a part. He's lying because he's the lion king. When necessary, 2 Corinthians tells us he can even masquerade as an angel of light. When necessary, he can pretend to be a godly person and quote Scripture. When he came into the garden, Satan used the body of a serpent who God had previously pronounced as good. Eve didn't seem disturbed by the serpent's presence. There's a chance maybe that the serpent for a few days was going around and maybe already talking to her because I'm just going to say that if an animal spoke to me, I would freak out. I don't even understand the Balaam thing, but I know that it happened. But for whatever reason, Eve begins a conversation 
with the serpent who's trying to impersonate righteousness. Satan was in disguise. Secondly, we see Satan questioning God's word. His strategy begins by casting doubt on the word of God. All he wants to do is start the ball rolling by casting a little bit of doubt. He suggests that God could not possibly mean what he said. Hey, we fall for that all the time. He said, did God really say? Almost a, are you kidding me? Do you think God knows what he's doing? 2 Corinthians 11.3 makes it clear that Satan's target was Eve's mind and that his weapon was deception. He questioned what God said. And when he did that, he raised doubts in Eve's mind concerning the truthfulness of God's word and the goodness of God's intentions. There was a reason that God gave the prohibition. And Satan wanted Eve to completely overlook that. He says, did he really mean that you can't eat from every tree? That's the implication of the question. He's saying if God really loved you, if God really wanted the best for you, he would be so much more generous. God's holding out on you. So the third sub-point is Satan distorts what God has said. You must not eat from any tree of the garden. God said, you can eat from all the trees but one. Do you hear the difference? They didn't dare eat from the forbidden tree in the middle of the garden because God had said, don't do it. But Eve falls into a trap. She begins a conversation with the Lion King. I want to tell you today, anytime you enter into a conversation with the Lion King, you are likely to be defeated unless you're armed with the right tools. She's lured into thinking about what Satan wants her to think about. Satan sets her up. He gets her to think she knows better than he does. He still does that today. He wants her to believe that she has the upper hand. She thinks she can deal with the serpent because she can outsmart it. She enters into a conversation with Satan. And it looks like she's trying to show off her intelligence and her knowledge. Listen to it. From the fruit of the trees of the garden we may eat, but from the fruit of the tree which is in the middle of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat from it or touch it or you will die. I hope you caught it. Eve is following Satan's example by altering the very word of God. If we compare Genesis 3, 2 and 3 to Genesis 2, 16 and 17, you'll see that Eve omits the word free and certainly. And she added the phrase, touch it. She also failed to note that God had commanded them to obey him. Eve actually subtracted from God's word, added to God's word, and changed God's word. Satan does that all the time. She was starting to doubt God's goodness and God's truthfulness. Maybe she thought she was helping God. We do that. We're in a conversation with an unbeliever and they're making fun of Christians. And rather than speak the truth, we try to soft sell it. Preachers have gotten famous by soft selling the gospel. Preachers have gotten famous by saying, if you'll just come to Christ, everything you ever wanted, He will give to you. When you look at God's Word, Jesus says, it's going to be tough. He says, you're going to have trouble in the world. It's going to be a difficult journey, but it's a journey that's worth it because He's with us. History repeats itself. Everywhere today, people add to, alter and omit God's Word to fit themselves, to fit what they want to do or who they want to be. We see it in the redefining of marriage. We see it in the redefining of a person's sexuality. When life begins or when life ends, 
or how we should be governed. We see it when God's will is resisted or when God's word is rejected or when God's way is deserted. The fourth subpoint is Satan denies God's word. This is where it gets real. In verse 4, Satan substitutes his word for God's word. The serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. God had said, you will surely die. That's where we are. Who are you going to believe? We don't want to die. Eve did not want to die. But the fruit looks so good. Satan's a liar. Jesus tells us that in John 8, 44. I would go so far to say that Satan is the lion king. He said it because God is truth. God is the God of truth. Our response to God and to His Word is found in Psalms 119, 127. The response should be this. Therefore, all your precepts concerning all things I consider to be right. We hear God's Word. We understand God's Word. And we obey God's Word. That should be our response. That should be our filter. Whenever we're in a situation, we remember Psalm 119, 127. Therefore, all your precepts concerning all things I consider to be right. At this point, Eve should have reminded herself of God's Word, believed God's Word, left the serpent, and found her husband. It's when we linger in the place of temptation that we get into trouble. Especially when we're thinking that what we know or what we're hearing or what we're thinking is contrary to God's Word. The Bible says we are to flee temptation. We're to run away. I was a runner early in my life. I ran in elementary school. I ran in middle school. I ran in high school. I ran something in college. used to run all the time. Loved to run. I used to dream about running. I blew my knee out when I was in my early 20s. And I tried to run after that. In fact, I showed up at Sanford one day and was running some hundreds. Harvey Glantz was there. He's fast. He's very fast. So he was on the line. I got on the line thinking, I didn't know who he was. So I start running and I look, he's blowing me by. So after about eight or nine hundreds, I stopped down, I'm rubbing my knee. He says, what'd you do to your knee? So I told him, he goes, man, that thing could implode. Yeah, yeah, you don't need to do this. So it was on that day I stopped running. I don't enjoy running anymore. If you see me running, something really bad is happening. And I'm now so slow, you shouldn't have any trouble getting in front of me. But when I'm in temptation, I need to run. No excuses. The Bible says we are to flee temptation. We are to get out of there. Third point, original sin. Verse 5 suggests that God is holding something back that's very important and very good for her. He says... For God knows that in the day you eat from it, your eyes will be open. You will be like God, knowing good and evil. Remember those five I wills we talked about a while ago? They should sound vaguely familiar in relation to the Scripture. You will be like God. Satan, the Lion King, wanted to be like God. In fact, he wanted to be God. And misery loves company. He's trying to convince us every day that we can be like God. We can be in charge. We can make our own decisions. He's trying to convince her that she can decide what is right and what's wrong. Deciding right and wrong is God's 
job. Satan wanted it. And to be honest, we want it too. We want to decide what's right and what's wrong. We don't want to read God's Word. We don't want to think that somebody actually knows better than us. It's the same lie that Satan tells Eve. She falls for it. Adam falls for it. And we've been falling for it ever since. And so it's important today that we realize that Satan is the Lion King. Satan wants us to believe that we can do better for ourselves. He told Eve, you can do better. You can be the one to make the decision. You can be like God. He continues to battle for it. He says, God has a hidden agenda against you. You need to watch out for yourself. The devil knew that once Eve distorted the goodness of God, he could deceive her into his way of thinking while getting her to believe it was her own idea. I'm going to repeat that because it's pretty strong. It shows the power of the Lion King. The devil knew that once Eve doubted the goodness of God, he could deceive her into his way of thinking, all the while getting her to believe it was her idea. We may not think we're doubting God, but when we doubt God's Word, we're doubting God. Events happen in our life and Satan tells us, God doesn't have your best interest in mind. We seldom stop believing in God. But we do stop believing that His Word is best for us. We would think, how can I have cancer if God loves me? How can I have a bad marriage if God loves me? How can I have lost my job if God loves me? I think I shared this on a Sunday night. After I had the blood clots and was in the hospital, my doctor, who's Jewish, was a visit after that, he looked at me and said, can I ask you a personal question? I said, sure. He said, you ever ask God why? You're a minister. You're, you're a pastor. Why would this happen to you? And I said to him, more of a why not kind of guy. Why shouldn't it happen to me? I'm a fallen man. I live in a fallen world. And we've got to get past this rosy colored filter of everything's going to be great when we follow Christ. God says, I want you to be obedient. We should never doubt God's goodness. We seldom stop believing in God, but we just believe that His Word isn't best for us. When we do, Satan poisons our faith. He poisons our relationship with God. And as a result, he poisons our testimony. God so loved the world that He sent His only Son that whosoever believes in Him would not perish, but have everlasting life. Even when trials seem beyond our understanding, even when we can't grasp why we're going through tough times, we can trust God to use them for our eternal good. We're told that in Romans and in James. Don't put a question mark where God has put a period. Trust God. Live your life on the filter of His Word. The establishing of right and wrong is God's dominion alone. There is absolute truth and it's found in the Word of God. God still tells us the same thing. God hasn't changed His Word. He hasn't adjusted it for our culture. He hasn't said, oh, well maybe you were created to be this way. God created us and He gave us a guide for living our life. He wants us to build our life on the foundation of the Word of God. When you're the one deciding what's right and wrong for your life, then you're trying to be the God of your own life. And God must be God. The Bible says we can't serve ourselves and serve God. The original sin which caused the fall of mankind was this, trying to be God and wanting to define what is right and wrong for our life instead of letting God be in charge. 
It's a lordship issue. It always has been. It always will be. For thousands of years, Satan has repeated the strategy. He doesn't care if you believe in the authority of the Bible. He doesn't care if you believe that Jesus died for your sins. He doesn't care if you believe you should live a good moral life. He just doesn't want God to be in charge. Not of the world, not of your life. The Lion King will tell you whatever he thinks will win you over. Because there's really only two teams. It's more important today that I remind you that we're not talking about two equals. We're talking about the God of the universe and a fallen created being. It's not a yin-yang. It's not karma. It's not the force. It is all-powerful God and a falling angel, Satan. God kicks Satan out of heaven because he's God. He's omniscient. He's omnipotent. He's omnipresent. He's unchanging. Satan is a created being. Although he's powerful, he's not all-powerful. I get slammed all the time for being too competitive. You're just too competitive. I hear it. it seems like every day. But hear this. I'm on the winning team. I'm on the winning team because I know that Satan is going to lose. It doesn't matter what lie he tries to tell me. He is the loser. And at some point, we choose winning and losing. It's only two teams. Satan is the Lion King. Satan will be crushed. Hell was created for him and for his angels and for all those who listen to his lies and choose to follow him forever. All he needs to do is get you to disbelieve. I hope that's a word. That God has the right to be the God of your life so that he can step in between you and God. My oldest child, Megan, from the time she was two, wanted to be in the middle. No matter where Patty and I were, I'm in the middle. We'd be walking in the grocery store. I'm in the middle. We'd be in the bed in the morning. She'd come in. I'm in the middle. She's 25. She comes home. We're in the bed. She jumps in. I'm in the middle. She always wanted to be in the middle. Satan wants to be in the middle. All he has to do is get between you and God. All he has to do is break that relationship. And he's going to tell you whatever he thinks will work in your life so he can be in the middle. He'll whisper, you have plenty of time. He'll whisper, the Bible is full of errors. He'll whisper, just try to be a good person. The temptation we face each day is should we believe Satan's lies or will we be obedient to God's Word? That's the battle we fight. Romans 1, 18-32 describes the Gentile nation from the time of Cain forward. Cain being Adam and Eve's son. And it says that they rejected the truth of God and turned to foolishness and lies. It, it actually says this. They exchanged the truth of God for the lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator. It's interesting. The lie. It's singular. Not the father of lies. Not the lying king. But they believed the lie. So what is the lie? I think it's the belief that men and women can be their own God and live for the creation rather than the Creator and not suffer any consequences. We don't believe in hell. We say we do. But if we really grasp the horribleness of hell, we would not want anyone we've ever met to go there. And when we read God's Word, it's very plain. That's the filter for which we live our life. So we need to grasp that and we need to hold on to that 
If we break it down to its simplest form, there is the truth. God is the truth. And there is the lie. And Satan is the lying king. You choose one or the other. It's your choice. When you review the sequence, you can better understand how Satan leads people to the place of disobedience. Once we start to question God's Word, once we begin to wonder, did God really say that? Did God really mean that? Then we're prepared to deny God's Word. And when we deny God's Word, we believe Satan's lie. It doesn't matter if we're talking about creation in the Garden of Eden or July 2016. It's still true. We have to either choose God's Word and choose to obey it, or we choose the lie. It's just a short step to believe in Satan's promises and disobeying God's commands. Jesus was tempted. We see in Matthew 4.11 that He answered Satan's lies with God's truths. Three times He affirmed, it is written. He didn't misquote it. He didn't take away from it. He didn't alter it. He didn't change it. It is written. Satan wants to deceive our minds by using the spiritual weapons that God gave us, we can stand against Him. And it's a beautiful picture of the armor of God, our head, our chest. There's one offensive weapon in the armor of God. It's the Word of God. Because the Word of God is that thing that we build our life on. And when we read the Word of God, we can stand up and stand eyeball to eyeball to Satan and say, it is written, and I choose to believe it, and I'm going to live my life on it. Anything less than that lets us fall at the feet of the Lion King. The fourth thing for outline people is the tragedy. Verse 6 shows one who is led astray is now leading others astray. Oh my goodness, it happens. When the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was desirable to make one wise, she took from its fruit and ate and she gave also to her husband with her and he ate. Eve sinned because she was attracted to the fruit of the forbidden tree. It was pleasing to the eye. She was walking by sight and not walking by the faith of God's Word. She did not heed God's commands. If we look at Genesis 3.6 and 1 John 2.16, if we were to lay them side by side, they're, they're parallel truths. Good for food, lust of the flesh, pleasant to the eyes, lust of the eyes, desirable to make one wise, the pride of life. These are the things that motivate people in the world today. And when God's people start thinking like the world, we start acting like the world. Adam made a choice. It was the wrong choice. And humanity has suffered ever since. God loved us and trusted us enough to make the right decision. And we fell for the Lion King's lies. Sin always not only affects us, it affects those around us. I love in the Old Testament when God stands and He says, tell it to your children, your children's children, your children's children, because God knows that every generation is going to fight with the struggle to be obedient to His Word. I think about this story, and I wonder why God didn't make the tree of knowledge in the center of the garden with its beautiful fruit. Why didn't He make it ugly fruit? For Eve to look at <laughs> Yeah, that's disgusting. I'm not going to touch that. But it said in there, it was pleasing to that. Why didn't God come in with some chain link fence, some razor on the top, maybe some lasers? We find out in, in just a couple of verses later that He's going to kick them out of the Garden of Eden and put angels there with flame and swords. He could have done that. He could have said, you can't eat here and to prove it, you can't eat here. 
I've got it blocked off so you can't get there. I think a possible answer is the temptation to disobey brought Adam and Eve face to face with the ultimate moral question. Would they believe God? God needed to know. Because anything other than giving us free choice just made us robots. And God thought by loving them at the level that He loved them, that they would choose to follow Him. We didn't. Would they trust God? Would they show their confidence in the Creator and lovingly obey Him with all their heart? We face that same test every day of our lives. What are we going to do? Will you trust God? Are we going to flunk the test of obedience because you think you are right? Life's not a test of how wise we become, but how obedient we become. Sin opened up a whole new world, a whole new reality to them. They were completely different. They were changed. Immediately they were changed. Verse 7 is a sad verse. Then the eyes of both of them were open, and they knew they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loin coverings. They realized they were naked. Most of the people at the beach last week had no clue. We sat there, I'm thinking about this passage, thinking, if I could, if I could just get out there and find some fig leaves, I could fix this problem. And I just want to say, men and ladies, just because something fits you doesn't mean you should wear it. Adam and Eve realized, uh-oh, something's not right. I tell new Christians, God wants to speak to you. How do I know? How do I know God speaks to me? Well, it, it, I almost feel guilty. For, go ahead and sin. <laughs> you don't ever want to say that if you're a preacher. Go ahead and sin. And when you hear the Holy Spirit say, don't do that, begin to recognize His voice. Jesus said, my, my sheep hear my voice. My sheep understand. And the Holy Spirit will keep us where we need to be if we'll just listen. I was in Honduras years ago and I picked up the sound. It's And when I came back, I did it for my children. So anytime I needed them, it was and they would look. And so we could be in a crowd. We could be in a store. We were in a Walmart. I hate Walmart. We were in a Walmart at the beach. And we got separated. So there's Megan's little head. She wanted to come get in the middle. But that was a sound. And it's a recognizable sound. And the Holy Spirit has a voice and it's a recognizable voice and the Holy Spirit wants to speak to us and he wants to tell us don't do that and we have to listen to that I'm almost positive that right before Eve bit into that fruit right before Adam bit into that fruit they knew something wasn't right Satan promised them eat the fruit and you will be like God sounds good Eat the fruit, you'll know good from evil. They didn't become like God. They became like Satan. Remember the five eye wheels who got kicked out of heaven, separated from God for all eternity? Eat the fruit, you'll be wise, you'll know good and evil, you'll be like God. No. They became like Satan. They got kicked out of paradise. They got kicked out of the close fellowship that they had with God. Adam and Eve lost their innocence. And for the first time, they had a personal realization of what it means to sin. As God created everything, it was good, it was good, it was good. God's intention was for it to be good, not sin. I love verse 8. 
It's a relationship of God seeking fallen men. I, I, it makes me think about the prodigal son where the father is out and he's calling his son in. It says they heard the sound of the Lord. I wonder what that is. What is the sound of the Lord? They knew it. They heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. This is not necessarily a geographical reference. It wasn't that they were lost from God and they were hiding from God because they were behind a tree or an elephant or whatever they were behind. But it's also a spiritual reference. They were trying to hide from God because they knew what they had done was wrong. And you know what they do? They try to fix it themselves. Instead of eating the fruit and crying out, Father, what do we do? Well, I've got a plan. Let's take some of these fig leaves and sew it together and we'll be hidden. God made us in such a way that we must believe something. That's that part of God that we still keep. If we don't believe the truth, then we're going to believe the lies. We're all looking for something to believe. If we believe the lies, then we have to suffer the consequences that always come from rejecting the truth. When we decide to make our own decisions of right or wrong for our own lives, even for our life itself, we will find ourselves separated from God. And what do we do? We try to hide from Him. God said to Jonah, Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh. Jonah went the other way. He was trying to hide from God. It didn't work out so well, did it? It doesn't work out so well for us. David's saying, where can I go that you're not there? Because we're talking about the God of the universe, Almighty God, the awesome God is looking out for us. We can't hide. They knew they were naked before God. I remember years ago when my children were little, watching something on TV and realizing that what we watched had just stolen their innocence. And we had to have a conversation that we weren't ready to have. And I remember just how sad that made me. I love children. I love watching children play. And we've moved to a society where Children have lost the ability to play. Children have lost their innocence. They know way too much. Way too young. And Adam and Eve, they knew they were naked before God because of what they had done. They knew that because they had disobeyed God, things were different. What do they do? They begin making their own choices. Because of their sinfulness, they chose to hide from God. They no longer wanted to enjoy that intimate fellowship with God. Because sinful man cannot stand in the presence of God without something being in the middle. And for us, it's not Megan. It's Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I'll be willing to stand in the middle. And He reached out to God and He reached out to man and said, okay, I'll die so that you can be brought back together. If we look in Genesis, it was a sacrifice of an animal and God made proper clothes for him. Adam says, I was afraid. I'm not even sure how he knew that word. What had he been afraid of? He'd always lived under God's protection. And I think he felt like that was removed. Trying to hide from the Lord is a futile endeavor. Yet guilty sinners still try to attempt the impossible because they're uncomfortable being in the presence of a personable, of a sinless, of an all-knowing God who only wants the best for those that He loves. Sin and death are reigning in this world. 
but righteousness and forgiveness reign through Christ. Through Christ, we can be made right. The result of sin is hiding from God because you're no longer comfortable with Him deciding what is right and wrong for your life. It's you standing before God and saying, I want to choose what I do. We did a powerful skit uh, on mission trip. And it's a skit where it's, it's a teenager and she's made a decision that she's going to follow Christ. And so Christ is, is there with her. It's a skit, so don't go theological on me. And here's Jesus and she's talking on the phone and she wants to do something. She pushes Christ out of the way. Oh, no, I really want you to be with me. She has another conversation. She pushes him out of the way. I really want you to be with me. And it's just back and forth. And finally, it's a, a picture of her nailing Christ to the cross. And, and it's such a powerful word because we want Jesus with us, but we want to choose when He's with us. I want you with me on Sunday because I want to look good in church. But when I'm at the water cooler on Monday, maybe if you could step into the closet for a little while. That's not God's plan. We see Adam and Eve hiding, being afraid because they knew they were no longer comfortable with God. The Lion King will tell us, Bakuna Matata. It means no worries for the rest of your days. But it's a lie. It's a lie because his days are numbered. As long as we are deciding what's right and wrong for our life, or trying to be the God of our own life instead of letting God be the God of our life, we will separate ourselves from God and we will try to hide ourselves from God, from His fellowship, and from His presence. My title was really kind of a setup. There's only one king. I was lying. You either belong to him or you don't. King means person in charge. And there is one king, and it is God Almighty. Today can be the day you change teams. Today was not necessarily a presentation of the gospel, but it was a presentation of the gospel. Because today is an opportunity for you to look at yourself and say, am I falling for the lie? Sometimes you get so comfortable living in the lies, you don't even realize you're falling for the lies. If you're a believer and you start to sin and you don't hear the Holy Spirit, it could be because your heart's become so callous you don't want to listen anymore. You're hiding and you're not coming out of hiding. Today can be the day you agree to let God be the God of your life. He is absolute truth. He never changes. Jesus did a much better job in His description of Satan he said that the Lion King came only to steal, to kill, and destroy. But He came to bring life. The life that you're looking for is not found through the lies of Satan. It's only found in the truth of God and the relationship with His Son. So today, we give you the opportunity to be changed. To come down front and say, you know what? I've fallen for the lies. I'm ready to be changed. Maybe today, as a believer, you realize... I'm trying to hide. I'm separated from God and I want to be back in that sweet, precious fellowship. And I know to do that, it means that I've got to let Him be in charge of my life. I've got to give up control so that He can be in control. Growing up, my dad had this track that he gave everywhere we went. It was called My Heart, Christ Home. And it was a picture of our heart being a home. And there was a seat in the middle and the question was, who's sitting on the seat? of your heart. Who's in charge of your heart? The seat of your emotion. 
Who's making the decisions? I grew up in a family where that was constantly in my face. And I realized that even though it was true, sometimes I didn't want to do it. I was really good at looking saved. I was really good at answering scriptural questions. But there's more to that than this. Think about that relationship. In the cool of the day, God just wanted to walk with Adam and Eve. He wanted to fellowship with Adam and Eve. He wanted to be a part of everything in their life. We had a party yesterday for the UAB majorettes, and it was a lot of work, and both of our children had been home, and I hope they're not listening to the tape. They both went away, and we were in the truck, and it was so nice. And so all the way home, Patty and I were just talking back and forth. Fellowship. That's what God wants with us. He wants to know what's going on in our life. And if you don't have that, it's available to you. If you're a believer and you don't have that, set things right today. Come down, let us pray for you. Maybe you're here today and you've been looking for a church. This is the church where whoever stands here is going to tell you the truth of God's Word. Because we understand that God's Word is the filter upon which we base our lives. Would you stand with me? I want to pray for you and give you the opportunity to respond to the message today. Father God, I thank You for Your Word. I thank You that You started off after telling us how things got here, telling us how we went wrong. Father, I know today, that from, even from my own life, that we listen to the Lion King and we believe Him and we don't filter every decision that we make on Your Word. So Father, today we ask You to forgive us for that. Help us today to make the conscious decision to run after You because we know You're there waiting for us. Father, I pray today that lives will be changed because of Your Word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.